You are listening to the Genesis Podcast, a community of faith, love, and hope. As we look to the scriptures, it is our desire to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. We are continuing our Elements series. Forgive my voice. Man, a little bit of a illness this weekend and getting over it still. Um, and today we're going to be looking at gentleness. And gentleness is, you know, that state of being of kind, being forgiving, uh, benevolent, humane. I think it is probably one of the most underestimated fruits of the Spirit. It's something as I was looking at it today, I don't think I've ever done a talk on gentleness. And I was trying to remember if I even heard a talk on gentleness, and I couldn't recall one. Um, but it, it's something that is very important. And so we're going to start at Matthew chapter 11 and looking at verse 28 through 30. And again, this is one of the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians 5, and we're seeing it exemplified in Jesus and his life. And in Matthew eleven twenty-eight, Jesus says, Come to me. All you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want to start off tonight a little bit different. I want you to close your eyes with me, and I want you to imagine your heavenly Father looking down upon you. And I want you to imagine that he is smiling. And I wonder, do you have a hard time envisioning that? Do you have a hard time seeing him smiling because you don't think he smiles? Or maybe you don't think he's smiling at you. And if that's the case... I think what happens is we start to get a vision of God that is very legalistic. It's based on performance and the things that we do. And we are so aware of the things we fail to do that the idea of God looking at us and smiling might be foreign to us because we don't think he cares about us in that way that he looks upon us in that way. We might have this idea, well, I remember Jesus who, who cleansed the temple, you know, and he made a whip. He didn't just go get one. He made a whip, you know, and he, he cleared out the temple, the money changers, and overturned the tables. And, and this idea of Jesus being a person who takes matters into his hands and, and takes action. Or I think of Jesus when he entered the land where the, demoniac was, and it says that the man couldn't be bound. He would break the chains, and people would move around this area for fear of him, and, and Jesus came up to him, and Jesus isn't afraid of him, and this idea of Jesus being powerful, and so the idea of Jesus being gentle might be foreign to our concept of who he is. And really, this scripture is an invitation. It's an invitation to, to come and partake 
of him. And we know what a yoke is. A yoke is something that oxen would wear. And when you would take the yoke, it would basically give half of your burden to the other person or the other animal who was carrying the yoke. And and so the whole idea was to alleviate your burden and to share it. And Jesus is inviting us to be a part of what he is yoked to. And so Really, if you're yoked with Jesus, who's carrying the weight? It's going to be him more than anything else. And so the idea of a yoke is help me to help you. Where Jesus is saying, here, come here so that I can help you because my burden is easy. It's light. But yoke is also something else that was thought of in that time, a rabbinical attitude, uh, the yoke of a rabbi would be, what is that yoke that the rabbi thinks is important? What is the thing that that rabbi carries that drives him? What is his focal point? What is the thing that matters most to him? And so oftentimes what would happen is they would ask a rabbi a question. They would ask the rabbi, what is the most important law? Sound familiar? And they asked Jesus, what is the greatest law? And Jesus gave what he believed was the greatest. This is the greatest, that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you would love your neighbor as yourself. This would be this rabbi, Jesus' yoke. This is what he carried. This is what drove him. This is what mattered to him. And, And so... As we see this conviction, we start seeing that this is something that is important to Christ that he's inviting us to be a part of. Out of the 613 laws that were there, this was what he pointed to. This is what was important to him. This was what he carried. And so think about 613 laws. That's a heavy yoke. That's a heavy burden. That's something that's heavy to carry. And try loving God and and loving others. That simplifies it to an understanding, and that makes the yoke easier. It makes it light, especially when we're sharing it with Christ. You see, a legalistic attitude, it's acting apart. It's playing along so that you can win the approval or the, the identity. It's, it's trying to present an image, but there's no transparency. There's no honesty. You'd rather be right or thought of as good than actually be right with God. It's all about how you look. And we we live at a time where we are so pressed to look at ourselves as doing things the right way that it affects our relationship with God to one where we don't see God as one who is smiling at us, one who is tender towards us, one whose, whose yoke is to love, but we see God who is one who wants us to perform, to live a certain standard. And when we don't live that standard, we pretend to others that we do. And we act as if we do. 
And it leaves spiritual scar tissue on us, I think. I think about myself, how many times I really develop this kind of comparison between me and other people. And like, well, I don't do that. But what about the things I do? And well, at least I don't act that way. But what about your attitude? You know, I, I frown on people who are profane or, or who have bad language, but what about me and my judgmental attitude? You see, I, I start developing this comparison because I'm living in this performance attitude towards God, and everything is about how I perform, and it's about God looking at me and grading me. And so I start living in that mentality. And then what happens is, when we grow up in kind of that religious comparison environment, we become fearful of making mistakes that others will ridicule us for. And so we become complacent. We miss opportunities that God would be speaking to us in because it's all about the image. And we don't want to make a mistake. When I do dog training, after just a short time with the dog, the dog knows that if it does nothing, it's good. Right? He knows if he jumps, he gets a correction. If he bites, he gets a correction. So he knows if I do nothing, everything's good. And sometimes we start living in that way. We feel that anything I do might be a mistake. So if I do nothing, then I'm good. And our relationship with God becomes one that's based on this fearfulness of don't want to do things wrong, don't want to upset him, don't want to sin against God, and everything's a sin. Right? If you drink, it's a sin. If you talk improper, it's a sin. If you think improper, it's a sin. If you, there are so many things I have to be afraid of because it's a sin, it's a sin, it's a sin. Instead of seeing your Heavenly Father who loves you, and that's the yoke he's inviting us to be a part of. And we want to enter into that relationship. We want to enter into this dynamic where we are invited into the yoke that Jesus is carrying. And we are the adopted children of God. He has made us his own. But we act sometimes as if we're orphans and we have to behave a certain way. You know, you have someone come to your house and, and they're on their best manners. They, they make their beds. Or if you go to someone's house, I know when I've gone to stay at someone's house, it's like I'm very aware that I'm at someone else's house. You know, I clean up after myself in the bathroom and everything. When I'm at home, it's different. You know, it's my house. The towels are on the floor. But when I go somewhere else, I, I'm aware of that. And sometimes we live as if we are just guests in God's home instead of actually being his children. You see, but it says he is gentle and humble in heart. It's the same word that's used in Galatians 5. And again, I think it's underestimated. It really is, gentleness is how you win people and influence, how you win friends and influence people is through gentleness. It's the spirit that we are to live in. Proverbs 15.1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up 
anger. Think about that and the things that we read on Facebook. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You know, a friend of mine in the UK who really suffered some ill treatment from the church over there, from a lot of people in the church, a lot of very legalistic people in the church there, made accusations about him because of how he looked, um, really didn't get to know him, but blasted him. And so he was coming, you know, to a group that when we were there at church there, he connected with the people, but then he got really turned off by the things he saw. And I understand why, because he shared some of the things with me, and it was like, oh, that's terrible. People would act that way. And, and so he, he developed this kind of callous attitude. And I would post something. I, I posted one time something that it, it's foolish to run. What, is, what did I say? I said it, it's foolish to think that you could run from God and find love. I think something like that. And then he posted back, I, I ran from God and I found love. And, you know, my comments, how am I going to respond to that? You know, I said, it's foolish to run from God and expect to find love. And he said, I ran from God and I found love. A gentle answer turns away wrath. But I knew what he ran from. I, I knew the legalism that he was running from. And it wasn't God. So I just told him, it's good that you ran. Because he wasn't running from God. He was running from this pseudo-image of God that was really man-made. And his response back to me was, hey, Sam, I wish you and the wife the best. It, it just changed the whole attitude. There wasn't this, oh, yeah, well, what about this? Oh, yeah, well, what about it? I didn't get into argument I didn't feel the need to try and prove myself right. A gentle answer turns away wrath. And so many times we fuel the fire by trying to win an argument. And we are supposed to be people who are like Jesus. And this is the fruit of the Spirit, gentleness. What is the Spirit we are speaking in? Is it a gentle answer? with your friends, with your coworkers? What spirit are you speaking with with your spouse? Is it gentleness or is it judgmental? It's easy to do this sometimes outside of the home. We can speak out, you know, of our insecurity. We can speak out, you know, in ways that are hurtful because we're afraid we can even deceive ourselves sometimes, but the spirit of Jesus is the spirit of gentleness. We can know if we are operating in the spirit if the spirit is gentle. And you can know if it's not, if it's not. So many times we have a, a really good way of seeing where we're at by seeing what we do. If I would just stop and look at how am I acting, how am I conducting myself towards my kids, towards my coworkers, towards my wife, that's who I am. That's what I am. 
And so we need to be able to see that the spirit of gentleness is the spirit of Jesus. In 1 Kings 19.12, it says, After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. That still small voice. God's voice is so often a gentle whisper. Why does he whisper? Well, think about it. When, when someone's whispering to you, you have to pay attention and you have to come in close. It's like, hey, I need to talk to you. You have to go in close. Sometimes the whisper can be so quiet that your ear has to almost get right next to their mouth so that you can hear. And God speaks in a gentle whisper to draw us close to him, to draw our hearts near to him. God whispers so that we have to get closer. And then he tricks us. He gives us a hug like you do with the kids. When the kids, hey, come here, I need to tell you something. What? Come here. They come over there. And then you grab them and you just hug them because you want to hug the kids. And they're like, oh, stop it, stop it. See, God is gentle, and the yoke is love. And he's wanting to get us in close so that we can hear him, so that we can have this relationship with him. Again, that's our heavenly father. In 1 Peter 3, 16, or 15 and 16, it says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. You want to give an answer? Do it with gentleness and in a respectful way. There it is, gentle. I remember... Walter Martin, when I was sitting under his teaching, he would deal with the cults and he would talk about how to speak to Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses and, and these different groups. And he would always say that, you know, when you're dealing with them, remember that a, a Mormon pancake does not make a good Christian. In other words, if you're there to just slam them, it's not going to have good results. And so many times we just want to win an argument. But you see, here Peter's is telling us that we're to have a reason for the hope, but to do it with gentleness and do it in a respectful way. Respect who? Respect them. Why? Because this is the spirit of Christ. This is the characteristic of Christ. Ephesians 4.2 says, Be completely humble and gentle. Philippians 4, 5, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. There he is, that yoke. I'm connected to him. Gentleness is a sign of the connection to God. And so think about your heavenly father, how he looks at you, and think about the gentleness that he's showing towards you. And if you don't see him being gentle towards you, you have a misunderstanding of who he is. Because he is gentle and humble in heart. And he's wanting to draw us in. And he's wanting us to be yoked with him. And this is now how we are to conduct ourselves with others. It's Titus 3.2. Always to be gentle toward everyone. 
toward everyone. Toward just the people who agree with you? No, towards everyone. What about the ones who don't agree with you? Everyone be gentle. What about the ones who are so belligerent and so obnoxious and posting all these things on Facebook? Be gentle with everyone. You guys, may Genesis be known for people who are gentle with everyone. Why? Because it is the characteristic of Christ. Galatians 6.1, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, so you also may not be, lest you also may be tempted. Gentleness. Saw this video of this dog, and this dog was like a, it was it was chained up to this, you know, doghouse that looked like it was just barely put together with wood. And there was this little chick, you know, a little chick from a chicken out there. And, sitting, and the dog goes up to the little chick and he gets it in its mouth and he takes it into the doghouse. And then he just snuzzles it in there and cuddles it in there. And it's like the cutest because you're thinking, oh, no, he's going to kill this little chick. You know, this dog, he just goes, picks it up in his mouth. He goes, and then he just cuddles with it in there, gentle. And it's just like, oh, how cute. And here's this dog. It looks like the dog has been, you know, had a few beatings in its life. I mean, it doesn't look like it's doing well, but it's showing this gentle attitude towards this little chick that's just out there vulnerable, and it takes it in, and it brings security. And that's the attitude we're to have this gentleness and to restore people in this gentleness. What's your reaction when you hear about someone maybe who's high profile, who has a moral failure? Maybe it's a political candidate. Maybe it's a actor or actress. Maybe it's a pastor or someone in the religious. What, what's your attitude when you find out that they have a moral failure? Where does your mind go? Ha, I knew it. Good. I hope they get theirs. You see, right here it says we're supposed to restore that person gently. There's supposed to be the attitude of wanting this. I have dealt with my own weaknesses enough and have seen the people I know and love hurt and stumble enough to know that I don't want anything but gentleness to be what comes from my heart to the attitude of someone. So if someone comes up to me and they say, hey, Sam, I have to confess something to you. Yeah, I committed adultery. That my attitude is not anything but drawing near to them to embrace them, to hug them, and to restore them. That that's what I want to do. That I'm not trying to judge them, not trying to reprove them, but I'm gently trying to restore them. That my first reaction, that what they see in my eyes is care and wanting to share that burden more than they see anything else. Because by grace we have been saved, through faith, not of ourselves. It's the gift of God, lest anyone boast. 
Is that our attitude? Because it needs to be. The least judgmental people are those who are aware of God's grace. In fact, if you are judgmental, then really it's kind of like the Pharisee who, when that woman came and started washing Jesus' feet with her tear and her hair and the oils, and he said, if he knew what kind of woman this was, he wouldn't let her touch him. And Jesus said, Simeon, I think it was, you know, let me give you a story. There was a person who was owed a great debt or a debt, and they were forgiven, a person who owed a great debt, and they were forgiven. Who loved most? The one who's forgiven most. And he goes, so is this woman. She's been forgiven a lot, so she loves a lot. Yet you, you didn't even offer me water from my feet. See, the person who's judgmental doesn't realize how they've been forgiven. And it's a gentle attitude that is bound to Jesus that connects us to those things. Another dimension of this word is not to be overly impressed with yourself. I think that's interesting. So gentleness isn't just about delicacy. It's about not being impressed with yourself. Remember when we first started and we talked about love, that there were two type of people that would come in the room, the person who would come in the room and tell everyone, hey, I'm here. And the other person would come in the room and go, hey, you're here. One is there to get everyone to notice them. The other is there to notice the others. And that goes along with this attitude of gentleness. Those who walk into the room and say, here I am, and the others who say, there you are. Gentleness is that mindfulness of others more than a mindfulness of yourself. And it's the best way to be actually someone who is appealing is to be someone who is interested in others. The best way to be interesting is to take genuine interest in others. That, that's a person who you want to be around. This person really cares about me. They really listen to me. I like it when they come here. I can open up to them. I can talk to them. There was a reporter and was covering two British prime ministers. One was William Gladstone. The other was Benjamin Disraeli. And they were bitter, bitter rivals and as they went out with the one, as she had dinner with Gladstone, she came back and she said, when I had dinner with him, he struck me as being the cleverest man in England. She says, but after I had dinner with Disraeli, I thought I was the cleverest woman in England. See, one, oh, he's clever. The other one made her feel clever. That's an attitude of gentleness. That's the attitude that Jesus is talking about. And we can start to basically excuse ourselves. We can say, well, it's just my personality. I'm just not a gentle person. I just say what I feel. I'm not the kind of person to, to mix words. I don't like to play games. You know, I've taken the, you know, the Strengths Finder, the Myers-Briggs. It's my personality traits. You can't excuse yourself out of a responsibility 
This is the fruit of the Spirit. This is something that's supposed to be a part of our lives. It's not a suggestion. This is what it means to be a follower of Christ. And so we have to deal with this character flaw if it's something that's evident in our lives. You know, I still find myself wanting to respond in sarcastic ways. I, I've done it for so long, and I think I was really good at it, really, for a while. I, I could come up with quick little snaps and quick little pokes, but I'm trying to be aware of that. So when someone posts something or someone says something to me, I don't come back with a little snap at them. Why? Because it's just not gentle. It might get a laugh, and I might say it in a way that's comic, but it's not gentle. And I've just been convicted of it. I just don't want to respond that way. I want to be a person who holds my tongue. I want to be a person who responds in a way that connects people to, to the goodness of God and the gentleness of his character. Romans twelve six it says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. It's not just the gift, but the spirit that you do it in. You see, you may not have the gift of mercy. You may not be a Mother Teresa that will go into India and help those poor people, but you still have to be merciful. You still have to show mercy. You still need to be gentle. I think was talking with Corrine as we were coming over here. I was thinking about just the time that I have with my family now. And when we get to spend time with them in holidays, I can remember there would be such contention at times where it's, oh, we're going for the family and to be like gear up for battle because, you know, there's going to be contention. I wonder how much of that was me not being gentle. I wonder how much of it was because of my attitude. If I would have had a gentleness of attitude, I could have actually diffused that and how things are much better now that I have a gentle attitude. I wonder how much of that comes back to us. Matthew 12, verses 18 to 21, it says, Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out till he has brought justice through to victory. In his name, the nations will put their hope. He's going to bring justice, but how is he going to do it? He's not going to bruise a reed. He's not going to break it. A smoldering wick, a wick that's about to go out, he's not going to stuff out. He is so gentle, and it's in that gentleness that he's bringing about his justice. And that's who we are supposed to be. It is in the gentleness that we bring about this justice. You know, Try operating in the opposite spirit that you're confronted in. If someone confronts you at the store, especially now, the holiday seasons, everyone's getting uptight, right? 
Everyone's in a hurry to get their things done and get out of the store. And so when you go up to that sales clerk who's really huffy and, and puffy and, you know, just upset and ranting and raving, try operating in the different spirit, the opposite spirit. When they're really frantic, try being calm. If you're dealing with someone who's really proudful, try being humble. As someone who's being real belligerent, real arrogant, try being really gentle. Approach that person in the opposite spirit that they're confronting them. If it's hostility, if it's anger, if it's pride, if it's greed, whatever that attitude is, try doing the opposite, having the opposite attitude of that confrontation and try doing it with your spouse. When they come at you in attitude, come back in the opposite spirit. See, a, a, a smoldering wick, he would not snuff out. That reed, bruised reed, he would not break. Try doing the same thing. There's a gentleman named Larry Trapp. He was a part of the Ku Klux Klan. And he terrorized the Jewish leader in his town, made death threats against them, threatened to bomb the synagogue. And Larry came down with diabetes. He started dying. He was confined to a wheelchair. And there was a change in Larry as this happened. He burned his Nazi flag. And the change happened when the Jewish rabbi who he was threatening took Larry into his own home and cared for him as he was suffering from diabetes. And as he was basically being cared for them, he, he started to change. He said he, he couldn't care for himself, but this Jewish leader who he had terrorized invited him to live in his home so that he could care for him. And Larry, later on, he said that he showed him so much love that he could not help but love him back. Wow. If this man could bring this stranger who represented this opposition in such a hostile way into his home and change his heart by loving him. Do you think we could do that in our own homes? Do you think we could do it in our own families, in our own workplaces, in our own environments? What if we confronted the anger, the hatred with love? See, that's where the change comes. Show more love. Show more, show more patience. Show more goodness. Show more faithfulness. Show more gentleness. That's the fruit of the Spirit. This is the Spirit of Christ. See, he is whispering so that we will lean in. He's gentle so that we have to be still and draw close. And he's inviting us to his yoke that is easy and his burden is light. He's inviting us into this life because this is the life in the spirit and it is gentle. Let's pray.
Father, I see so many areas in my life where I am not gentle. I see so many places in my life where I justify. Lord, I pray that we would have this trait, even as you did. That we would recognize that it's not by power, it's not by might, it's by your spirit. And you have drawn us into this relationship and you've invited us to share this yoke with you. And Lord, you are gentle and humble in heart. And so part of being yoked to you is being the same. Lord, may I be aware of the areas where I am not gentle. May I be aware of the areas where I am not humble. And Father, may we make the effort to lean into you. Father, we cannot do this alone. That's why we are yoked to you. We need you to carry us. We need your strength if we're going to make it through And Lord, may we stop and pause and be still so that we can hear your whisper. May we get close enough that your voice is loud and clear. Lord, may we see our Heavenly Father smiling at us because you love us and you want us to love others. We thank you, Lord, for this time. In Jesus' name. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.